0: Good morning, good morning again, I tell you, um, we got a lot of people here and there and out and gone and so I'm filling a couple of different roles, don't worry, next week you'll only see me once, maybe twice, okay, but uh, this weekend or this, this week there's a lot. I would ask you to turn to John, John chapter 1, John chapter 1. Over the past few weeks, uh, with, uh, with, of course, some, some unscheduled breaks in between, we have been talking about, essentially, the plight of mankind. We realize that mankind, from its very beginning, chose to ignore the Word of God. Now, I don't mean the, the Bible, the canonical Bible, the way we have it in our hands right now. But it was the very Word of God. It was the command and direction of God. It was the original design of God to follow Him, to honor Him, to obey Him, to live out the way He designed life. And that's the way we were created. That's the way human beings were created. I'll tell you, no human being that, ever exi- that exists or ever existed has lived up to their full potential. You know that? Nobody that's ever existed... I mean, you're built for incredible things. You're built for things you don't even know yet. You're built in the very image of God. Now, that doesn't mean that you're God or gods or anything like that. But it does mean that there is the the character of God built in to each of His creations. And yet, from the very beginning, human beings said, I want different or I know better. Or I want to go beyond my created purpose. That's pride. I want to be like God. I want to know as God knows and know more than God. And so they were tempted by something that is evil. After that, we realize that since man has fallen, there must be a guide. There must be some sort of steward that's going to lead them through life in order to bring this promised someone or something that's going to make it very good again. And today, today is that day. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you. We ask, Father, that you would open our eyes to the truth of Scripture, that you would open our eyes to the love and forgiveness of Jesus, that you would open our eyes to the fact that Jesus gives us our full meaning and purpose and the ability to live out what we were, how we were created and why we were created. Father, we ask that you would work upon the hearts and minds of those who are here to say yes. Say yes to the forgiveness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So the guardian was the law. The steward was the law. Again, clear in Genesis, talking about someone that's going to come along and crush the head of Satan. Crush the head of the evil one. Take away the power, ultimately, to to disconnect this Satan, this evil, this devil from creation. In fact, in the revelation of Christ, what did we we read just during our uh, communion meditation? And that is this complete and utter separation and destruction of death and Hades and Satan. The Israelites, throughout this time, lived with the law. After the fall, after the flood of mankind, after the establishment of the Israelite nation, after their time in Egypt, after their exodus back to the promised land where Abram was promised to live, now we have them experiencing and living through the law, wrestling with the law, and wrestling with God Himself. Anybody ever done that? I have. I have recently wrestled with God. And this going on for about 2,000 years, not quite 2,000 years, but almost 2,000 years. Here's the problem. Even with this law that we talked about last week, things were not getting any better. They weren't getting better in the hearts and the minds of the people because it wasn't meant to make the hearts and minds of the people pure. It was to point to the fact that they need someone or something to come along and make it very good again. The rest of the world ebbed and flowed, it progressed, it regressed, it digressed, but the hearts and minds of the people who knew God still continued to crumble. Through this time, there were kings of Israel that were risen up, we'll talk about this or raised up, and we'll talk about this next week as we look at the fall of Saul, some good Some of these kings were good, but the vast majority of these kings were bad that ruled over Israel and later on the southern kingdom of Judah. It got so bad, again, that the nation of Israel split in two. Think about that. The people of God said to each other, I don't want to live with you anymore. And the very nation of God was split in two, Israel to the north, Judah to the south. Israel to the north was lost to history. Believe it or not, ten tribes that made up the northern kingdom of Israel. The Assyrians came in because they were so corrupt, and God wiped them out. You know where they went? Nobody does. They were dispersed throughout the world, never to be a people again because of their rejection of God and rejection of the law. The kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom, that was a little better for a time. But then God said they became even worse than the nation of Israel. God refers to them as an unfaithful wife. And so later the Babylonians came in and hauled Judah off into captivity. This was done in three phases, but they hauled the southern kingdom off. Not to be lost forever, not to uh, uh, be erased from memory like the northern kingdoms. There was always a remnant that God has. This exile happened about 600 years before the coming Savior. The point is this, no one kept the law, no one. Their their ancestors saw God in the wilderness. They saw the Red Sea parted. They heard the thunder. They heard the lightning. They saw the clouds of fire. They were there, and they still didn't keep the law. They still didn't honor God. James chapter 2 tells us this, and you've probably heard this before. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. We don't live under the entirety of the law today. We live under these, these portions of the moral part of the law. But I've been guilty of breaking the law you've probably been guilty of breaking the law. Far be it from me to say that about you, maybe one or two of you. After 70 years in exile, these Israelites, we'll call them all Israelites now, the Israelites were allowed to return home. They began rebuilding the temple. And for about another 100 years, maybe another 120 years, there were still prophets. There were still people, there were still teachers, there were still leaders trying to reveal the Word of God to the Jewish people, but they never listened. They never listened. All of this stemming from the original fall of mankind. And finally, finally after about a hundred years being back, silence. Think about that. Your entire history is consumed by revelations from God, and now in your life, in your generation, silence. No prophets, no speakers, no miracles in the wilderness, no cloud, no fire, no thunder. For 400 years, silence. Suddenly, we have John. John the Apostle first takes us back to the very beginning referring Jesus or or equating Jesus to the Word. That's what's known as the Logos. Look at chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. This is this reference to God the Son. God is three persons three distinct persons that make up the one true God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. John is referring to God the Son, and he equates God the Son to the eternal Word of God, always has been, always will be. In the beginning was the Word, and that Word is Jesus. Verse 2, He was with God in the beginning, through Him, referring to the Son, through Him all things were made. Without Him, without Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. This Savior, this one, this something that's going to come along and save us, this was not an afterthought by God. You know that? You understand that, right? God doesn't go through history and realize that he or people have screwed up and say to himself, I've got to figure out some way to save this creation. No, from the very beginning, from the very beginning, God the Son, Jesus Christ, the man who walked the earth, Jesus was there. In fact, it was through God the Son that all things were created, things on the earth, things in the cosmos. That was his role. He built it. He set it into place, and not only that, he holds it together. He keeps the thing working. He keeps the thing operating. That's God the Son. That's the Jesus that died on the cross. He's not an afterthought. He's not a lesser God. He is the one that built it all. After 400 years of no prophets, after 400 years of no prophecy, after 400 years of the law being twisted and added to and becoming something it was never meant to be, after 400 years of corrupt kings and even priests and temple servants, after 400 years of losing an identity and people lost and confused for generations, look at verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's John the Baptist, not John the Apostle who's writing the account. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. So that through Him all might believe. He Himself was not the light. That is, John the Baptist was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. This was huge. After 400 years of no one hearing any prophets, after 400 years of no one understanding and being revealed the mind of God... After 400 years of the very values and holiness and this moral standard of God beginning to crumble into something that was unrecognizable, here comes a man who says, I'm speaking for or providing the words of God. It was a prophet. This is huge. And by the way, this prophet did not come in finery. This prophet did not come well rehearsed and polished. This prophet is what we would think of the crazy guy. Have you seen a guy down by the Jordan River? He's nuts. Yeah, we don't let our kids go down there and play, trust me. Not while that guy's down there. That's what he was. That's what you'd see. That's what you'd experience. Let's not get confused here. Let's not turn a blind eye to the message just because the messenger might not be what we see and what we notice and, or, or what we expect. John the Baptist comes along, a real prophet. Many flock to John the Baptist, desperate to hear the word of God. And that's the same role we get to play. We get to speak the very words of God to others. John the Baptist is a huge figure in Scripture. In fact, it was John the Baptist that Jesus referred to as the greatest man born among women. Or from women. Or from a woman. We should probably look that up if you get a chance. That's what it says. And yet we participate in the same thing. Telling people. Telling people about Jesus. This is what Jesus did for me. This is what I see now. This is what I understand. This is what changed my life. You don't have to prove Jesus. You don't have to argue for Jesus. You tell what you saw, what you heard, what you know, what you experienced. That's it. That's being a witness. John came as a witness. Many flocked to him. Others responded with disbelief. I picture this scene being played out. There's a prophet down by the River Jordan, or at least he claims to be. And someone else says, what? Oh, that's impossible. There hasn't been a prophet around here for 400 years. God has given up. Look around. Look at this world. Look at my life. God doesn't care anymore. God has left. We're on our own. It's so easy for people, even today, to fall into this trap. Look at this charred earth. Look at this charred or scarred life. God doesn't care, He's too distant if there even is a god fortunately we know better we have heard better and i hope that we believe better verse 9 the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world now god told us something was going to happen god told us something was going to happen at the very beginning of creation all of scripture is laid out in the first three chapters of genesis The rest of the Bible explains what God did in the first three chapters. God told us someone was coming. God told us something was coming to be sacrificed to what? To cover us. We stood before God ashamed. We stood before God fully exposed and ashamed. And God said something's going to come along to cover you. To make it right again. To make it good again. To eliminate that shame in your life. Genesis 3.15, once again, And I will put enmity between you, that is Satan, and the woman, and between your offspring, that's those who pursue evil, and hers. He will crush your head, but you will strike his heel. This Savior will crush the head of this terrible snake, the devil, but remember, the snake will strike his heel. This is not going to be an easy battle for Jesus. Satan is going to put up a fight. There's going to be hardship involved. There's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. And there's going to be hurt inflicted upon our hero. If Jesus went through that, we ought to expect those things to happen in our life. If we're going to follow Jesus. If we're going to follow the one who loves us. But here's the real tragedy. You ready for this? It's the real tragedy then and the real tragedy now. Look at verses 10 through 11. He, that is Jesus. John goes back a little bit. He kind of says, hold on. He's already here. Jesus was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. The world didn't care. Your Creator is in the room, your Creator's on the scene. And the world didn't recognize him. They recognized themselves. They recognized their wants, their desires. They recognized all kinds of things. They recognized their pride and their anger. They recognized their confusion. They recognized blame. They recognized laws. They recognized rules. They recognized not having and others having. They recognized all kinds of things in life. But here's the one to make you good again. And the world didn't recognize Him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Was it really this guy who made the world and everything in it? We've already heard from John. Paul talks about the same thing in Colossians chapter 1. We'll probably skip over that one, guys. Colossians chapter 1 says the same thing, that all of creation was made through Jesus. Jesus came to his own. His own possibly means the Jewish people. After all, Jesus was a Jewish man this family of Abraham through the Old Testament. And that's who Jesus came to. Jesus came to the Jewish people, to the Hebrews. He ministered to the Jews. He relied upon the Jews for spreading the gospel message. Gentiles, you and I, we didn't really take up the mantle until much later when Peter and Paul began to teach Gentile churches, Gentile people. But I don't think it just means the Jewish people. Jesus came to His creation. He came to all of us. He comes to all of us today. And people don't recognize what's right in front of them. People don't recognize the Word of God. People don't recognize this healing and this forgiveness and this ability and this opportunity to simply accept the love of God until it's too late. Jesus came to His own, His creation. Jesus came to His own, your home, your mind, your house. Jesus came to His own, this church. Jesus came to His own for many, many years, yet some still fail to understand the character of Christ. Whether it's this world, this creation, or you, Jesus built it and holds it together, all things created by Him and for Him, including you. And it's the hope that you recognize who Jesus is. We recognize Jesus through the Word of God. Some people did recognize Him. Even in his ministry days, even prior to the resurrection of Christ, there was a lot that recognized him after the resurrection of Christ. But the arrogant and the proud usually did not. Who recognized Jesus? The wise and the humble. The wise and the humble. Verse 12, some people didn't recognize him. Verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, To all who did recognize who Jesus is, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Sometimes we read over that a little quick, he gave the right to become children of God. The right given by God is something that cannot be revoked, it's something that cannot be taken away. In fact, a right given by God is the only real right that you have. Those who believed in Jesus have the right to become, to be, to be defined as the children of God. Not those who are perfect. Not those who don't sin. Not those who clean themselves up first and then accept Jesus. Those who accept the forgiveness of Christ have the right to become eternal children of God. Now we move on, just the Jewish people. We move beyond who our parents are, who our church, or what our church building is. We move beyond what our earthly title may be. We move beyond what our nationality may be. How is it possible? I mean, these ancient Israelites, they lived up to, they tried to follow the law of God. How is it possible? If there is a holy standard and no one meets this holy standard, did God just change the rules in the middle of the game? Matthew 5, 17 through 18 says this. These are the words of Jesus. Do not think that I have come to do away with the law and the prophets. Do not think that I have come to do away with everything written in the Old Testament. Don't think for a second that I have come along to do away with that law that the Israelites received thousands of years ago. Don't think that I have come to abolish that. I have not come to abolish that, but I have come, says Jesus, to fulfill it. And what's not written in that passage is I have come to fulfill it, for you, for you. The law is a perfect standard that no one can keep. This savior, this hero comes along and he says, I have come to fulfill the law, the perfect moral standard for you. And this is the question. We either say thank you or no thanks. That's the difference, church. That's the difference between salvation and damnation. Thank you for that or no thanks. I have come to fulfill this perfect moral standard. Jesus fulfilled the moral law. He fulfilled the sacrificial law on the cross. He fulfilled the judicial law as the wrath and punishment of God and separation of God was poured out upon Jesus, not upon you you and I are in the enviable state of simply saying thank you. Thank you. And why did He come then? Why not yesterday? Why not tomorrow? I don't know. In fact, no one knows. The only thing we find is in Romans and Galatians. We looked at Galatians last week. Romans 5 says this, you see, at just the right time, That's what God gives us. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Please don't mess this up. Christ didn't die for the righteous. Jesus didn't die for the perfect. Jesus died for the ungodly. I got news for you I don't think there's enough ungodly people in the church. I don't think there's enough sin filled people in the church. I think more and more and more ungodly people need to worship, need to be a part of the body of Christ so that their eyes can be opened to the fact that Jesus died for the ungodly. Jesus died for the sin-filled. Jesus didn't die for the good. Jesus died for those who know that they've made mistakes. Verse 8, but God demonstrates His own love for us while we were still sinners. I'll tell you, church, you got to go. You got to go out. You got to say. You got to talk. You got to tell. If you think you're a sinner, if you think you're too far gone, if you think you're ungodly, if you think you're undeserving, if you think nobody's going to love you, this is exactly the place you bring them. This is exactly the Savior who loves them. Jesus didn't die for the saved, Jesus died for the lost, Jesus died for the sinner. Jesus died for those who are calling and looking and trying to survive. Thirteenth verse of John chapter 1. Who has the right to receive this? Sinners, as we mentioned above. But also this, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, none of these other things. But born of God, back to the image of God. We go through a process of growing and of changing. The Holy Spirit changing who we are very nature. That's called sanctification. And it is a process. Justification happens in a moment when we say yes. Sanctification, purification, if you want, takes time. When we look at the fallen world, I, I, I think of a fire that's ravaged a countryside. That's the fallen world. It turns charred. It turns ugly. It turns dusty with mountains of ash everywhere. And that may be the world in which you see. That may be your life. Everywhere you look, it looks like death. And then a caretaker comes along and he plants a beautiful plant. Maybe a flower, maybe a stalk of corn, maybe a tree. Eventually this plant sprouts in the midst of what is ugly. And the caretaker says, that's what you were meant to be. That's what I created you to be. This plant must be cultivated. That's what sanctification is. And I know it's hard to see this, Beauty. When you look at the charred field from a distance, you'll probably miss it. Not only that, life is going to be hard. There's not a whole lot of other plants to help it. And the weeds poke up pretty fast. But Church, if you take the time to look a little closer, it is there. It's you. How is it that we're justified before God through Jesus by accepting His forgiveness? Jesus stands for us. He represents us. All who have not lived up to this perfect moral standard. But you and I need to accept this representation. I just get, just, we just get it out of your mind. Get it out of your mind and out of the minds of people you talk to. We do not need to clean ourselves up. We do not need to fix ourselves before we accept Jesus Christ. You accept the forgiveness and representation of Jesus Christ in this moral standard before God Himself. And if anybody wants to put you to death, eternal death, they have got to go through Him. I'm reminded of the Queen's champion. I'm a big... Uh, I don't know. I've read Mallory and White many times. I'm reminded of all these Arthurian legends, you know. And there uh, there was the Queen's champion. If the Queen did something wrong, and if you remember the story of Arthur, the Queen did multiple times. But if the Queen did something wrong and you wanted to put the Queen to death, that was just fine. But you had to go through the Queen's champion. You had to fight the queen's champion, defeat the queen's champion, if you were going to put the queen to death. It just so happened that the queen's champion was Lancelot. And nobody could go through Lancelot. Nobody could defeat the queen's champion. Regardless of so many of the mistakes that she made, regardless of so many of the mistakes that we make, It was the champion that stood, and it was the champion that fought. There isn't any power in this life, there isn't any power in this existence that could commit you to eternal death. There is no power that has ever existed, that's ever been created, that's ever usurped any type of power that can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. I mean, the only thing that you could do was walk out on your own. The only thing that you can do, the only thing that you can do is say no. If you say yes, then the champion represents you. You have a choice to become what God made you to be, intended you to be, or to reject this divine design. Next week, we begin looking at the tragedy of someone who rejected this special existence when we look at the fall of Saul. How do we accept Jesus? Well, the Jewish people heard the message on the day of Pentecost. They were cut to the heart. They believed it. And they asked the question, we believe, what do we do now? That was the question. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Son and the Holy Spirit, for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the remission of sin. That's our response. It's always open. It's always available. It's available today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. thank you that we are saved. We thank you that we have tremendous value. We thank you that we have certainty that we live forever because of the love of Christ. Help us to accept this truth no matter who we are, what we are. In Jesus' name, please stand.
1: your love forever I can sing of your love forever I expect to get a little snow this week so be careful
0: if you need my address to plow up my lane just let me know let's pray Father we do thank you once again we thank you that you love us we thank you that you've given us this privilege this gift to worship you as a body Father, we ask for your protection as we leave this place. We ask for your protection physically. More than that, we ask for protection of the mind, protection of the heart. We will maintain this absolute certainty of your love, the joy that you can provide. We thank you for the eternal life granted to all of those who would simply say yes. We thank you that you have the ability and the power the want and the try to one day make it very good again.
1: Jesus. Christ.